and welcome to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're four season ticket holders at Ashton Gate who love the club, the game and all things Bears. In this week's show, we discuss the thrilling 35-33 win against Harlequins that sees our lead at the top of the table stretched to 12 points. We also look forward to our trip to France on Easter Sunday to face Bordeaux in the Champions Cup. We speak to our friend at the French Rugby Connections podcast about the game and who to look out for. All this and more on this week's show. I'm Tony and I'm joined by Lee, Miles and Pete for a cheeky beer and some rugby banter. Well, what a what a weekend of uh, rugby that was. Uh, but uh, let's have a, a quick catch up. First of all, Miles, uh, great to have you back on the pod. Lots of our listeners uh, were worried about your your self harm a couple of weeks ago. Um, we 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 understand that you've gone through the HIA protocols and you you are now deemed fully fit to podcast. Is is that correct? This is true. I mean, medical assessment complete, HIA complete. In fact, I've had nearly two weeks of uh, protocol assessment. The bruise has gone down. You'd hardly even noticed that I hit myself a few weeks ago. I'm, 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 you know, extremely proud of the sympathy that our listeners showed towards me. Well, sympathy come taking a mix more than I like it. Glad to be back, boys. Fully, fully fit, fully match fit. And is it true you're just taking body shots to yourself now? See, so you, the, the bruises don't show. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and Lee, let me come to you. Uh, obviously, you were here on the pod last weekend, and we 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 had that that buzzing noise up in the sky. So there, there's all of us talking about rugby, and there's a full blown riot going on uh, in, uh, in in Bristol. A uh, bit bit of history kind of edged into the podcast there. It was Tony, and I have to admit, I think it's the first his—it's uh, the first riot in Bristol history that I didn't attend. So <laughs> I was—I was absolutely gutted. <laughs> Pete, and, and it's great to have you on the podcast, just at the last knockings of your 40s, uh, because I believe you have a very big, important birthday tomorrow. Well, this is true, Tony. Uh, I am going to be raising my bat to the pavilion tomorrow, half century. And uh, I've actually, as, as some of you know, I think, have treated myself to the, the best pandemic present I could possibly get. Um, I'm going to have a jab at the gate tomorrow. I've booked my <laughs> vaccine and I'm going to go down in full bear's kit. And I'm even hoping that the big P might be down there himself to uh, to do the honours. <laughs> and can I just check? You are actually fifty. You're not, you've not kind of faked this just to get the vaccine, have you? No, sadly, Tony, nineteen seventy one was when I was born. So no, I, uh, I I I did it actually on a flyer. I thought I'd missed the boat actually when when all of the uh, the news came out about them sort of slowing down. But I thought I'll just go on the the website, book it up, Ashton Gate. <laughs> my local and it came up straight away so yeah so i thought it was a really good idea to do it on my birthday now i'm getting a bit nervous <laughs> about it so but it's, this is like this is three down one to go now i'm i'm the, I'm the youngster yeah. of the group i'm you the only are. one who hasn't had a jab yet yeah there we are well hang on in there lee we we, we need you pal uh miles so uh <laughs> Big game. Everyone was looking forward to this. Two of the informed teams. Um, what were your thoughts uh, going into the game? Uh, did did uh, were you confident? Obviously, on the pod last week, we we had your prediction of three nil to uh, <laughs> Bristol, which which turned out to be uh, far from the truth. But uh, you know, were, were you that pessimistic about the scoreline going into the game? Uh, yeah, potentially, yes. I mean, I don't know who suggested I'd get that, predict that scoreline. Uh, I mean, have, you know, looking at the scoreline uh, the previous week with Quinns, I mean, they knocked up, what, eight, nine tries or something to that effect against Gloucester and put some fantastic tries in. And I was pretty worried, really, knowing that on the same game, a lot of different players, Kerr and Smith had played well. Uh, and I think on our little poll, I'd... Uh, on, on Twitter, I predicted a narrow win. Actually, that did happen, but, I mean, the, the way in which it happens was uh, was very strange at the end of the day, so I was glad to come away with the win. Yeah, Lee, and uh, once you saw the teams on, on Friday, uh, were, you, were you more confident or less confident of the Bears' victory? 
No, I was confident of the victory team, but I just want to say, actually, you were disrespectful to Miles there because he, he actually did say a, a predict a 4 0 win, if you remember rightly. <laughs> yeah. So come on, no, credit where credit's due. Um, but no, actually, I, actually, actually, technically, he, he got the closest gap between the two teams out of all, all our scores because I think the rest of us were like six, seven, and, and more. So, but, but, but maybe not the point scored. He was a bit, bit further out. Sorry, Lee. Yeah, no, I, I, I was confident of the win, but I, I do want to say now, in, in hindsight, I, I thought Quinn's played really, really well, and they took the game to us and. Um, you know, it was it was like um, <clears throat> I'd much rather play a Quinns than you know a a Cell or a London Irish. You know, it was it was nice to see someone come to Ashton Gate and and really give it a go. So I, I thought full credit to Quinns. And Pete, let me come to you. Uh, it, it it was a good start, wasn't it? Uh... We got rocking and uh, Dave Atwood. Um, what a try! What a try! He, he started it and he and he finished it. He did. He, I mean, he was alert for the the one off the post. Fair play. And then he, he did a little shimmy past. I think it was Marchant who came flying in, dropped in the shoulder, took him one way, little offload to uh, Big Steve, and then before we knew it, back up their end. And then, I mean, the way he, uh, he took that ball in midfield head down he didn't even have to sprint did he? he i'd say he lumbered forward and then he did his own kind of version of the old swallow dive he was clutching the ball like a newborn <laughs> child to make sure he <laughs> drop it didn't he um but i, I think also I, I looked at the stats tone and i think atwood was third in the meters and that was all for one passage of play wasn't it <laughs> we had six carries and 49 meters so i, I think that that's more than double his uh, <laughs> yeah. his, his, his meterage for for the season but i i mean when that, that that dive at the end when he scored that try that that was like an exocet missile going off wasn't it <laughs> well, you know i'm not sure he, 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 he's so tall but the, you know his hands were you know his feet were still in the 22 while his hands were going over the uh, did, the try line and, and I, haven't, I, I was just going to say, I haven't seen pace like that since Gaston Cortez was tearing up at the gate. That was amazing. <laughs> yeah, it must must have been a bit of a boggy patch there where, where Dave was trying to run, I reckon. Sorry, Pete, yeah. go on. Yeah, I was just, just going to say that, joking aside, you know, they don't often get apart from like pushover tries where they're about a metre over, these big boys in the in the engine room probably don't experience the, the feeling of running 20 yards to the line. And, uh, yeah, I was a little bit worried that he wouldn't know what to do because I, I'm sure they don't practice it in training or anything like that. And uh, I just wondered... As he got closer to the, the you know, as he got closer to those posts, did he did he think about sticking the hand up, doing a superman, <laughs> doing a foa, just to get his over? I, I just wondered. But you know, to be honest, he's such a pro, and he big Dave, and he's such a such a, a straight guy. I think that he knew that it, it, he had to get to, to earth as quick as possible. <laughs> He, like you say, he was clinging onto the ball. He was yeah. thinking, "This, this is mine. This, this, this is my big chance this this year." Do you think after the game as well? With uh, he said to uh, Ran Randra, our, our Fijian flyer, he said, uh, "Semi, how many meters did you make? <laughs> oh, just, just, just the forty-two, Semi. Not like my forty-nine. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was a fairly uh, uh, well. I thought it was a fabulous first half, mm. and. Uh, of course, Miles' were second try was uh, Fitz Harding. Now, I'm sure we'll talk in talk about Stephen Luatoa uh, and possible injuries when we we look forward to the Bordeaux game. But mm. Fitz Harding came on 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 20 minutes, and uh, probably the first things one of the first things he did was score a try. Well, absolutely. I mean, he's such a young lad. He's got such a sort of sensible, great rugby head on him. You're right. We were worried when Steve, Big Steve came off with an, and had a big ice pack on his knee. But, I mean, a bit like last week where it fits hard into that fantastic scoop and offload to Uren. He looks so comfortable on the pitch. And then to take a little sort of inside pass from Brian Byrne. And again, I mean, the forwards were clearly wanting to get in on the action on the running front, were they? I don't know how many metres he made, CC, but I thought, again, a fantastic forwards try uh, and, and just brilliant for the young lad. 
Lee, you want to say something? I just want to, because I know you love stats, and I think Pete's probably going to say what I'm going to tell you now. But that was the 1500th try in Premiership rugby history. So congrats to Fitz Harding. Wow. Absolutely. absolutely. Sorry. I wasn't going to say that, Lee. What I was going to say was when I first saw that live and I saw the, the white scrum cap take the ball. I thought it was Dave Atwood again. <laughs> I'm not joking. I thought Dave Atwood is on, on Brian Burns' shoulder. But yeah, realised then I realised there was a bit more pace. But yeah, it was uh, it was a great it was a great first phase try, wasn't it? And uh, and actually when you look at the, the three tries we scored in the first half, two of them were were classic first phase tries and that one from broken play. And that kind of is the measure of a, a quality side though, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, absolutely. And Lee, let me come to you uh, and, and to talk about that third try, because uh, that was just filthy, wasn't it? Semi ran Randra at his best, the way he took that ball at 10. Uh, your, your thoughts on that? I mean, it was ab- absolutely, it was filth. I mean, the, the rig could, well, I, I'm looking forward to the rig's column this week, but I mean, <laughs> some, of, some of the, I mean, I, I thought the semi was. Some of the runs that Semi did yesterday, they were a lot flatter and a lot more direct than than we usually get from him. And it was um, oh, it was just something to behold, wasn't it? I mean, it, the guy is absolute class, isn't he? And um, him and O'Connor are just, I mean, what a partnership. And how is O'Connor not playing for England? Come on. I, I, I know, and I think more and more people are saying how how, how good O'Connor is. And he, he's come on, hasn't he, so much this season. He was a quality player, but uh, the performances week in, week out, and 80 minutes time after time after time. Um, so so um, we've talked about the uh, our tries in, in the first half. Uh, Pete, let me come to you. Uh, one of the things that uh, obviously... Um, was maybe not quite uh, quite so good. Was uh, our man Danny Care? I was going to say picked the pocket of Benil, but he he completely mugged him. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was a bit embarrassing for for Benil. Who, to be fair to him, because we do like to be contemporaneous, didn't have his best game. I'd say for for Bristol, and and it, it's got to be one of the most shameful things that can happen uh, that you get the ball ripped by someone half your size. Um, but I suppose in in his defence, Bernard Ben Earl will point to Andy Uren's horrendous pass to him that was about came around his ankles, and he did well to pick it up. So I imagine that uh, there was some mitigation when they were towel whipping Bell Earl in the, at half time. <laughs> um, I just want to say, Tony. I mean, the, the thing about that what really annoyed me was. It was a brilliant first half, you're right, and we played some great rugby, but it was the same old kind of yo-yo thing, wasn't it? We scored, then we let them score, and we scored, then we let them score. And actually, when you analyse the tries they got, okay, their their first try um, was a a penalty try. Uh, uh, I mean, even that, I looked at it again, and I thought... Earl came in so far offside that you always yeah, think that he should have let them score so that yeah. they'd had to play the conversion and then he wouldn't have got yellow carded. It's one of those split decisions. You know, I know why he went in, but it was so bad. You kind of think, you must know that if you go in at that angle, you're going to get carded. And, and and we were, you know, is there a time where you, you have to let them score? I don't know. So, I, I, th- I think that's a really good point, but... You know, and, and it was so obvious when you saw it on the replay, but I just thought, what a try-saving yeah. tackle. I mean, what yeah, yeah. he actually oh. did to stop the yeah. guy grounding the ball was fantastic. Ooh. But, yeah, completely illegal. But, but part of the reason he was able to do that was because he literally came from behind the bloke, I think, and, yeah. and gave him gave him a Heimlich manoeuvre and kind of got him on top like that. If he'd actually come yeah. in even half legally, I don't think he would have been able to do it. But, yeah, it was, it was quite good. For a, a split second, we thought it was the best ever hold-up ever in the history of rugby until he trotted on. Yeah. Lee, you want to come in? I just want to emphasise the point that Pete just made then. I mean... Ben Earl had an absolute stinker, and he, he, he was definitely Eddie James <laughs> in that performance. I mean, you know, we just need to get him back now and get him around, a, a, you know, our, our little group now, 
group hug him and say, look, mate, you're, you're, you're back in familiar surroundings now. This is where you're loved. You're going to get game time. And this is the way we do it. This is the bear's way um, rolling into Bordeaux. Yeah, I, I think we've we've got to wean him off the London pride and back onto the Thatcher's <laughs> gold, haven't we, really? And of course, you know, he 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 got ripped by Danny Kerr and then Marcus Smith thought he'd have a bit of it as well. And what was that, about four or five minutes later? The, so the two smallest guys on the pitch have both uh, ripped the ball off Ben L. Like you say, Pete, I think... I, I think there was some forfeit for him to uh, pay in in the changing room, certainly after the game. Um, so uh, Miles twenty one seventeen up at half time, um, scoring tries for fun, uh, but giving away penalties and not not absolutely convincing with uh, with the handling. Um, were you were you confident of the win at half time? Uh, yeah, probably was. I mean, in the last few weeks, we have actually scored some tries in the second half, surprisingly. Um, and, you know, and, and, and Quinns were really good in the first half, but I thought the second half we'd keep the penalty count down. I thought Pat would go in and give them a bit of a telling off in the first half about their discipline. Uh, and I thought we'd come out firing on all cylinders, but lo and behold, that wasn't to be, and, and things really got worse. So I was. Yeah, I was confident in the first after the first half. Yeah, and and were you a bit surprised when because uh, we don't often see this from Pat that he changed the whole of the front row in uh, in one go? Did you did you expect to see that? Not really. I mean, it was only at about what between about forty seven and fifty minutes. I think I, I clocked. It was quite surprising because I thought head to head we were doing okay um, against against the Quinn's front row. So yeah, a little bit surprised so early to get an entire change. And Lee, let me come to you. Um, and a oh, little bit of indiscipline, and uh, the penalty started to mount, uh, and uh, we gradually find ourselves uh, behind in the game. Um, your, your your views on on Marcus Smith and Danny Care for well, let, let, you know, up up to the seventy seventy five minute point. Um, your thoughts on how well they played? Well, I mean, we we both, well, we all know how, how great they both are. I mean, they're, they're class class players, and they know each other intimately on the rugby field. Um, Danny Kerr, I thought, is one of the best games I've seen him play for a while. And I know since uh, Gustard's left, actually, Kerr has been in brilliant form. Um, I mean, those two did run the show, and and I, I did think that. I, do you know what? It's the first time for a long time that I actually thought, I don't know if we're going to pull this round because these two are really starting to dictate and and run the show convincingly, really. And, and they certainly had us pinned back. Um, although we made lots of metres, it was because we were having to run out of our, our 22. I mean, some really, really good kicking. But uh, Pete, let me come to you. Uh, two things that you often talk about are scrum halves and drop goals. Um, what did you think of Mr. Kerr uh, pulling that one out of the bag? I mean, it, it, was, it was brilliant. I, I don't think I've seen a drop goal <laughs> for years. I mean, forget months, years. Um, and it was it was a joy to behold. And it was a shame it was Danny Kerr, but but and and it it just goes to prove that you accumulate points, and that's what they did. Then you score a try, and suddenly you're twelve points ahead, and and you and and it's a score ahead, and it you know that was where just before seventy five minutes when they were twelve points ahead, I thought yeah I, I agree with Lee I I really thought there's no way we can do this and they'd done it through game management accumulation of points then they 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 gambled and they got that try which was perhaps dodgy we thought you know again a great little. Um, offload or get a little pass on from care, but look forward. I mean, to be fair, my daughter said, my daughter said to me, said, dad, I do that in netball. Uh, but uh, it was like a netball drill. But anyway, let's not get into that. But yeah, it was um, having said that. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's interesting because they always give the man of the match, don't they, to the winning team. But there was an argument for once to say that you, I don't think any Bristol fans would have complained too much if, if Smith or Kerr had been given man of the match on the losing side. They, they were they were that good. Although it was interesting, the one thing I'd say against Danny Kerr was he did miss quite a few tackles when I looked at the stats against Andy. But you know, let's not let's not pick too many 
too too many uh, hairs on it. So um, yeah, it yeah, was. So, uh, yeah, it's you know I I agree with you. It was one of those where I was thinking we aren't going to pull it round. Uh, and Miles, uh, they they scored. Uh, we were into the final ten minutes. They're thirty three points to twenty one, um, and then uh, penalty. We we kicked down to the corner, and uh, well, we thought Dan Thomas had scored, uh, <laughs> but I think the try was disallowed for his shorts uh, not being at the the, <laughs> the regulation height, and he is making a bit of a, a, a habit of this. I think he's had his his shorts around his ankles more times than uh, any Bristol player this season. So I, I think there needs to be some investigation there. But uh, we thought he'd scored. Uh, and then we got the penalty try and the yellow card. Pivotal moment for you? Well, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I agree with you. Dan Thomas's uh, the string in his shorts certainly needs to be inspected. The kit man is clearly giving him a bit of having a bit of a laugh, isn't he? And giving him the baggy shorts up front. But, I mean, you're right. Up to that point, I, I was cheering. I thought it was a try. You know, it went to the TMO. And I think we could all agree it was, well, I don't know all agree, a little bit short from the line, wasn't it? But to be then sort of given the penalty try was, was an absolute bonus and a bit gutted that, that Dan didn't really get the credit for that. Yeah. I, I mean, one of the things for me is as well, uh, you know, with Thomas's uh, boxer briefs, uh, were they white but had been washed with a dark load? Or, uh, or, or, or do you think they were ge- genuinely grey? Miles. I'll take it that Dan has a. <laughs> <laughs> knows what he's doing with his laundry and he doesn't mix his uh, laundry. His wife. Laundry. <laughs> laundry or laundry? Laundry. <laughs> Both. Uh, I, I think he's a grown man. He knows how to wash his pants. And I'm going to get the benefit of the doubt and say there's a slight mishap with a colour run on this occasion. Uh, uh, all right, so um, so we'll 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 work on the basis that they 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 were great to start off with. <laughs> but Lee, I know um, after the the try or the penalty try, there was a little incident after that that uh, maybe you want to talk about. Yeah, I, I would say that was uh, the only time Danny Care blotted his copybook slightly because. Um, you know, obviously, when the, Dan Thomas is doing his best to get the ball back into play for us to um, to go again and try and, you know, it, at the time it didn't, didn't look like we were going to do it, but get a, another try. And just the, 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 the little incident at the end with, um, we, with Kerry, almost, I don't know, it was, it looked a bit naughty. It, it probably wasn't as bad as it looked, but it did look like Kerry had it put the head in on Thomas. Um but but equally, Dan Thomas, um, it looked like it looked like the, the the big guy against the little guy in the playground, and and Kara was kind of trying to instigate the the punch up, and and he was like both arms barreling over the top helicopter style, and and Dan Thomas was just was almost ignoring him, which was quite funny, really. <laughs> Well, I like the smile on, on Dan Thomas's face, which was kind of, I, I could break you in half, Danny Kerr. So <laughs> I'm not going to worry too much about that. So, uh, Pete, let me come to you then. We'd we'd rescued uh, a bonus point. We we had a losing point in the bag. We, we you know, if this was a game of uh, pontoon, did you think we were going to twist or do you think we were going to stick and, uh, you know, uh, come away with with the two points and rescue what what looked like it could be zero points. No, no, I, I think as soon as we got that penalty inside our, I think it was in about our ten meter line, wasn't it? And Sheedy went. I said to my missus, he needs to get this. He needs to get this in the twenty two. And what did he do? It was just on the twenty two, <laughs> as is the way. But I think we then, if I if, I, if my memory serves me correctly, I think we then got a cape on. Cook, cook. Uh, Iceman got it into Joycey. We got a little push on. Penalty was given away again from the side or something. And then we got much closer. And uh, and that moment on, I thought we'd do this. It, it, we've got this. We have got this. And uh, it was really down to just Capon making sure he hit his man. And he did it again. And it was Capon to Joyce. It was, you know, that is a reliable partnership when it really matters. And then as soon as we got that, they 
we got we it kind of stopped, didn't it? And then we got a real we it was actually a proper rolling mall. I think we rolled round a bit, and then as soon as I saw that it was the sinks had the ball, you knew that there was no stopping that boy then, and he was cocker oop wasn't he because you knew full well he had been getting a full marla for most of the half because you could tell yeah. in those scrums that marla was on him and see i just thought it was it was the biggest smile we've seen from kyle i think since he joined the bears and uh and fair play to him and he deserved that and it was a brilliant finish um but of course it wasn't the end was it boys we still had the old uh we had uh six nations champion shido to stroke it now, I don't know about you boys, but I, I was confident he was going to do it. Um, but as he struck it, I did start to see it swerve just a little bit towards the. Uh, <laughs> but then it, it seemed to straighten. It seemed to straighten, and I do wonder whether that was a little bit of Neil Jenkins in there from his time at uh, at Wales. But what a great finish, and uh, loved it. <laughs> Well, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, I love uh, someone's taking a, it's on social media, a freeze frame. You have got Sinclair's smile and then you've got Marcus Smith absolutely furious in the background, which is, which is a wonderful picture. Lee, I think you wanted to uh, make a comment. I just, I just thought it was quite fitting that, that Sheedy had um, kicked the winning points, uh, you know, on the, on the weekend of Wells winning the, the Six Nations. So, um, yeah, it, it all just seemed to tie in at the end. It was one of those bizarre things where, it, like, it all looked like it was completely unravelled, and then it all got stitched together in the last three, four minutes of the game. It was crazy, really. And of course, on his hundredth appearance for the the club yeah. as well, to to get that uh, last minute conversion uh, to put in the back pocket with his Six Nations Championship medal. Uh, what a, what a fabulous couple of days for Callum Sheedy. Well, let's talk about some of the players, uh, uh, the performances that caught our eye. Miles, let me come to you. Uh, who who did you think uh, shone from the Bristol point of view? Uh, you know, I, I think a bit like, you know, I was really pleased to see fantastically well. Uh, he's just come back from injury, and that's that, that's uh, Morahan. I thought his runs were fantastic. He was skinning some players uh, and, and really solid. I mean, I, th- I think we probably all agree he had a bit of a quiet sort of game when he came back, um, worried about his injury, and we thought... Purdy had played fantastically at fullback, and would he really sort of get back into that position? He was amazing. His cat, his catches were brilliant. His kicks were good, and his, his running from R twenty two was just amazing. So I think, well done, Morahan. No, absolutely, one hundred and sixty three meters from eleven carries, and uh, you know, completely safe under the high ball, and and did really well. Pete, let me come to you. Uh, who, who did you think? Uh, uh, stood out from the Bears' perspective. Well, I just wanted to add one thing about Morahan is that there is an argument to say is that his best position, fullback, um, running running from the centre, bit more space. And when you think that we've got the likes of Purdy potentially on one wing and maybe Seaver or you know a real kind of go forward boys, it, it's an interesting dilemma we have that you know when Morahan and Piatau are fit, do we play both of them? Or do we have them kind of interchanging? Because I thought he was absolutely box office, Morahan, um, as as Miles said, and and it just got me thinking about, you know, that it's a, is that the best place for him to express his sort of silky running skills? But anyway, moving on. Um, well, shall I? We we mentioned Semi, didn't we earlier on? Do we do we need to say anything, or do you, do you think we need to to wax lyrical a bit about him? I, I, I've got one well, thing. I can well, say. I think I. I, I I think it was a, a kind of split performance for me. Mm. I think, what's that phrase? We love to say ring rusty. Mm. He did look yeah. ring rusty at times. But then at other times, he yeah. just was out of the out of this world. And, and that one-handed pass without looking was just, that was pure I filth, mean, I think, wasn't it? I think he was almost a microcosm of, of the whole game. It was kind of risk and reward, wasn't it? And he, you know, he he did give away a few penalties early on, and you know, he he is he, there is always a little bit of a risk because he's always looking for something. He's always looking. I think when you look at the offload stats, he was about the only person in the whole game to 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 be offload. He did about six or seven, didn't he? Um, and and in a way, that was a bit like our whole performance. There was kind of a lot of reward eventually, but there was quite a lot of risk. And and you know, we we talked about players getting isolated because they make good breaks and all this sort of thing. But, um, I mean, he was, having said that, 
yeah, what are you, yeah, that one you told, yeah, that one you're talking about when he did it, it was, it was a kind of, I don't even know if it exists as a type of, as, as a play in any playbook. It was like a, a no look, uh, sort of one-handed uh, back-of-the-hand offload. I mean, Joe Marchant, who was up against, was literally looking the wrong direction when he gave it. And uh, But the annoying thing was that it was the microcosm of our whole game was that off that break, Morahan gets the ball. We then kind of play it around. We, we make about 80 yards and then we get pinged for, for holding on in the 22. And it, it, it's so that's the so such frustrating thing that, you know, build up like that just deserves more and it does make me wonder sometimes that when we do get in those positions like in the in the 22 when you're a bit isolated why not let them have the ball rather than give away the penalty because more often than not they'll probably just kick it back out and then you still got possession off the line out so i know it's all split second stuff but yeah i mean semi was was uh you know premier rugby were happy weren't they they were happy ugo monia was happy god i mean you know ugo monia i mean he's 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 and first off, it's Charles Piertau. I mean, now he's put Charles Piertau to one side, and he was, it was all about semi, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and I, I love the. I think there was uh, Flatman uh, tweeted before uh, Friday's game that he said, if anybody wants to argue with me putting semi Ran Randra in my uh, dream team of the week, uh, get it out of the way now. And so uh, obviously, before he even touched the ball, Lee. Uh, uh, Henry Purdy, 115 metres from nine carries, again, doing the business there. But but let me come to you specifically maybe about the pack. Um, any any faces in the front eight that uh, stood out for you? Yeah, I, I, I think um, Miles is, uh, Moraham was my my uh, match personally. Um, but yeah, for me, in, in the, the forwards, you've got to say big Dave Atwood was, was immense. Again, uh, I think... Uh, he obviously we've already discussed the meters made, um, and also I think like he, he he is one of those players, and there's been a few of them uh, recently that have really stepped up to the mark. And I think he, he feels settled now back at home, and I, and I think Atwood was was brilliant to be honest. <laughs> Absolutely. We've talked about Dan Thomas again, another phenomenal performance. Um, uh, I think 16 tackles, the most tackles, 34 metres made. I mean, he gets whacked as well, doesn't he? He really Mm. takes some punishment, but he kind of gets up, shakes his blonde locks and, 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 and keeps going. Um, I, you know, I, I think our front three for that first half against the quality Harlequins uh, front three uh, uh, more than held their own. Um, and, you know, we said before the game, Afoa and Marla, I mean, what you would have given to hear some of the chat there and then Sinclair in the second half. And they particularly had the cameras trained on them. And you can imagine Marla was giving it some all the time. Well, um, I, I thought Marla played a, a blind I thought he was brilliant, but but he, yeah. he definitely, he, like Pete had said, he, I think he, he did have sinks in the pocket a little bit, but he certainly didn't have John Foe in his pocket. And there was one incident where they were having a little discussion in the break of play. And, and I'm pretty sure John Foe said, I'll see you at the next scrum, which I love. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Pete, Pete, you wanted yeah. to say something. I was something. just going to say, there was, I think the, the thing about the, the front row, changing after 47 was kind of a testament to how equal our front you know our, our front row is we've got we've got six front row for, front row forwards when fit they're fairly interchangeable and uh, and it was just though it BT sport loved the fact didn't they in the second half that we had then Sinclair Marla and Lahif and there was one bit where they had a the, the, there was a close up on the first scrum. Yeah. I mean, it was like you, you know, the director. You could see the director going, "Get in there, get right in there." They had like <laughs> lip reading experts in everything. I, I was expecting subtitles to come up on the screen, telling us. And then the poor old. The funny thing was, you had poor old Will Capon in the middle of like, like wondering what the hell's going on, thinking I, I can't get involved with this. I don't have the verbal skills to, uh, to get involved. Yeah. So I mean, it was it was uh, it was good. Just another shout out where we're on the forwards. Um, I mean, Chris Vui again. Uh, looking at the the tackle stats and whatnot. I mean, uh, you know, he's such a important player. Him and him and Thomas and Byrne, I think, were the big tacklers. Um, and we need that sort of thing, don't we? We need those boys to be constant, not just like for periods of 
small periods of time. They need to be doing it constantly. And I think that's the kind of unseen, that's what gave us the opportunity to come back and have this glorious finish, that we still had that kind of foundation of solidity albeit with some sloppy discipline here and there. But if we didn't have that core, we'd be we, we'd lose these games, I'm sure of it. Lee? Just, again, in, in the back to Piers O'Connor, I, I know, like, we, we don't mention him because what he does is, is just phenomenal every week, but it's, it's almost becoming like this, the, the, you know, like we never mentioned Luatua because he's just so fantastic that everything he does is almost like we, we kind of expect it. But Piers O'Connor, again, some of the runs and he's, the link play with Semi is just amazing. Yeah, no, I, I think as well, Fitz Harding having to come on and play 60 minutes, uh, you know, come on so early in the game. I think, think the only issue he's going to have is, I'm sure at some point Dave Atwood says, look, white scrum cap, that's my trademark. <laughs> Um, you know, if you're going to play regularly, you know, do like Capon did, get a different colour. Um, so I, well, I, 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 I predict before the end of the season, I, Fitz Harding will have a slightly different style yeah. scrum cap. What do you think, Miles? Are you with uh, me or not? I am with you. It's too similar, isn't it? Well, listen, lads. So white's been taken, yellow's been taken. What What is the next scrum cap colour that's acceptable? Green, well, or, well, green, green or pink? <laughs> It's, it's, it's got to be Bristol blue, isn't it? Surely. Yeah. You, would have thought, you would have thought so. Siali's got the red. He's yeah. uh, BG one tied up. But uh, yeah, I, I think because obviously they are both tall um, uh, players. And uh, I think, Pete, you said it was quite easy to mix them up when they're, uh, you know, hitting into rucks and things. Um, it's uh, not, not easy to tell them apart. I, think I, I wouldn't want to argue with Big Dave over I think. I think. I, I, don't argue with Big Dave. I think you're saying, aren't you, Lee? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I think purple for Fitz Harding because it's like a you know fits like a velvet glove on it. Oh, <laughs> right. Oh. On that on that point, we'll we'll move on. Let's have a look at some of the other results. Uh, Gloucester beating a weakened Exeter team, thirty four eighteen. Good result for us. Really set things up nicely. Uh, London Irish thirty six, Bath thirty three, and two red cards for Bath. Um, Colourful uh, game. Colourful game. That's going to cost them a little bit, I think, with the uh, the games coming up. Worcester 14, Northampton Saints 62. And I think what's remarkable about that game, it was 7-15 at halftime and Worcester absolutely collapsed in the second half. I know Chris Ashton got, got a red card, but, you know... <laughs> You just wonder, Worcester now are, are, are looking really, really shaky. Uh, Wasps 19, Sale 20, uh, and then today, Leicester 26, Newcastle 12. Well, the end result is we're still top of the table. Uh, we have a 12-point lead over Exeter, and it means regardless of results um come the uh, the 7th of may we will still be top of the table so we're not even talking about losing that in april with the european games and two other fixtures we are going to be top uh, in the second week or the first week in may so absolutely fantastic there well the next game is uh, against bordeaux it's easter sunday three o'clock kickoff in the round of 16 um Pete uh, did his uh, usual preview with uh, an expert. Um, uh, so we spoke to uh, Veronique from the French Rugby Connections podcast. Let's have a listen to what they talked about. OK, so it's great to speak to you again, Veronique. Thank you so much for, for coming on. The French Connections podcast was literally the first one we connected to earlier in the season uh, when we spoke before the game against Clermont. And, and now, of course, we're due to, to meet Bordeaux again next Sunday. So my first question to you is, how have Bordeaux been playing this season? And what sort of players should the Bears be uh, worried about and the Bears fans be looking out for next Sunday? You know what? Um, they've been playing really well. In the last um, five games, they won four of them. And as you may have heard, you know, they've got some new new guys um, to, that came to the team. So we got Rui Picamol, 
who's got a total of 82 selections, who came from Montpellier. He left Montpellier two weeks ago and is raring to go. I can tell you he was, uh, he's going to be very instrumental. He's a big, big boy, King Louis, who played in, um, in Northampton. And also you had a new signing with Thomas Holmes, who is number four with a locker, with a lock who comes from Grenoble. In terms of all the players you really need to watch out is are the usual suspects. So you got um, Mathieu Jalibert, who will come back, I'm sure, to play because he had a concussion. Um, Cameron Walkie as well, who was selected for the French team. And Ben Lam, of course. How can I forget Ben Lam, who is the nephew of Pat Lam? So, uh, yeah, six degrees of separation here. Yeah, yeah it's true, actually. I'd, I'd forgotten about Ben Lam. Yeah, thanks for reminding us. Um, yeah, I mean, clearly, Bordeaux are, are a, a top side, and uh, we know how good they are, having um, had that dramatic game uh, in the semi-final against them last season. But just thinking back to, to that, do you think Bordeaux will have learned something from that semi-final? And do you think they may have a game plan ready for the Bears to try and counter up, counteract us? And, and are there certain players do you think they may target? Ah, that's a very interesting question. So in terms of game plan, obviously you will need to ask uh, Christophe Urios, who is the coach, about how will his strategy will differ from, from last year. Um, so uh, targeting players, so I suppose, you know, Jalibert, Max Malines, I still think that um, Jalibert is probably more, more experienced than Max Malines. We'll, we'll be bringing Semi Randrandra with us again. Uh, do you think Bordeaux will be nervous about Semi playing or do you think they'll be quite happy because they kind of know him and, and know what his strengths are? They know him very well. And they, um, just for your listeners, uh, well, they probably know that, but uh, uh, Semi Randrandra uh, played uh, for Bordeaux. Bordeaux Bagel <laughs> and they lost him last year so it's going to be lots of uh, um, interesting interesting um, situation happening do you, um, do you think that um, you mentioned Louis Picamol do you think he'll be playing or do you think he'll start yes he will. today he's playing actually they're playing against Paul uh, and Bordeaux Bagel is doing really well in the top 14 right now they're ranked 5th Talking about Christoph Urios, you're, I do seem to remember him being a bit of a character. Does he have a bit of a reputation in French league rugby for, for being a bit of a maverick? Uh, yes, he says what he thinks. He's a very strong character. He doesn't mince his words. Um, he's very colourful. <laughs> Do you think he'll would he would he share a, a nice glass of red with Pat Lamb after the game, despite you know whatever way the result goes? Do you think uh, only if Bordeaux wins? <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Yes. Okay, so I mean, taking all of this into account and, and your knowledge of, of 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 Bordeaux and how they play, I mean, what do you realistically think the result might be? How do you think it might go next Sunday? Uh, for Bordeaux, I think Bordeaux will win twenty-eight to twenty-two. So that's interesting. Well, it's, it's it's not often, I've got to say, it's not often that we have people that come on our podcast that predict that the opposition will beat Bristol. So that's, it's, it's a very, it's, it's good that you are very confident about that. That's excellent. Having listened to your French Connections podcast, I've noticed that one of the things you like doing at the end is, is teaching your co-host a few French words every week. Um, I just thought maybe, do you think that what are the key kind of French rugby words that our listeners should uh, should listen out for uh, next Sunday? Ah, you should have listened to my rugby, French Rugby Connection podcast because every week, except last week, because it was half term, I um, I um, I taught a new word every every week. So let's uh, let's start by the easy. I forecast uh, four tries for <laughs> for Bordeaux. A try, you would say, an essay. Quatre essais pour Bordeaux. And then two for, for well, I know I did say 22, a little bit more, but... Uh, and yes. then what about if they got four tries, that would be a bonus point. So does what, how would that be in French? Un point, un point, offens, un bonus offensif. If we have any 
penalties um, and i assume a penalty is a, a penalty <laughs> are there some more technical words for things like not releasing or um uh, not rolling away or uh, holding on in the tackle you know what if you listen carefully yesterday to the french match against um, scotland you may have heard Wenbarn speaking in french and to release you say lâcher so he said lâcher. a few times lâcher you did mention last night but i mean how how are you feeling about what happened uh, against Scotland? That was disappointing, but I think there were too much at stake for for the guys, for Les Bleus. Uh, they had to win the bonus points and with a difference of 21 points. I think he played in the, in the head, whereas the Scottish had absolutely nothing to lose. Mm. And it was raining and French people, the French team don't like playing <laughs> no. the rain. It was a bit disappointing, but they will learn from it, you know, until until next time. They're, well, they're still a young side, aren't they? And I mean, yeah. you know, they contributed to to a fantastic Six Nations tournament, to be honest. Um, and they're only young, you know, the average age is uh, 26 years old with really? 24 selections. So it's a work in progress. Veronique, I really appreciate you talking to us. Um, obviously, you're very confident about Bordeaux winning. Perhaps yes. if Bristol do win, perhaps we may have a chat again to talk about uh, a game against Racing 92. You, you never know. Well, there we go, Pete. Uh, this, this is the second time she was uh, on the show. Um, uh, and she's she's gone for a 28-22 win for Bordeaux. And... Uh, I, we shouldn't be shocked, really, but we, we've had a little run of all these opposition uh, people talking about uh, probably Bristol winning, and, uh, and now someone's come up and said, uh, no, 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 Bordeaux, 28-22. Yeah, there was... Um... <laughs> what was that? Sorry. Say that again. <laughs> you might have to edit that bit. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, Pete. I can't remember what I was going to say, Tony. That was uh, it was like listening to Allo Allo. In that case, uh, listen very carefully. I shall say this only once. No, I think we should. Uh, yeah. 20, 20, 28, 22, yeah. Her prediction. Yeah, she was she was pretty confident, um, and yeah, she she highlighted some of the reasons. I mean, they've got some big players, the old beglers, haven't they? Uh, we know that Jalibert will probably be fit as a fiddle because he missed the French game because of his concussion. But obviously, he's had time to recover. Uh, Cameron Wockie, she mentioned, didn't she? We know is a, a good player. And of course, we know that Bordeaux are a good team because we went the, went the distance with them last season. Um, and, and we did discuss, didn't we, that so they just signed Louis Picamol um, and, and Veronique sort of seemed to think that she, he might play a bit of a role. I mean, I, I don't know how old he is now, but um, he knows a bit about English rugby. So, uh, But we got nothing to fear, have we? We got nothing to fear uh, from Bordeaux. No, I think, though, I mean, Pickamole is 35, so mm. uh, no no spring chicken, but then neither is John Afoa, and look how well he plays. But because he's played this season for Montpellier in the Champions ah. Cup, I don't oh. think he can register because they had to yeah. put their additions mm. to the squad in this week and his Ooh. wasn't uh, part of the Bordeaux. So Pickamole, as far as we know, will not play obviously Jalibert is still a question mark with a concussion and you know that would be a huge <laughs> boost for us concussion <laughs> concussion uh, and uh, uh, you know if he doesn't play as well that, that would certainly start to swing things uh, big time I think in our favour because he, he, he is a fabulous uh, fabulous fly half um, Miles let, let me come to you then um, obviously Nathan Hughes was rested for the Quinns game um do you expect to see him back in for the trip to Bordeaux? And what other changes do you think Pat might make? Yeah, I, I think Nathan will be back. I mean, we need to, we need a big unit at number eight. As we know, the French packs are historically huge beasts, aren't they? And we need a bit of muscle like Nathan back. Uh, you know, this weekend, Ben looked a little bit uncomfortable in the number eight position. He didn't play fantastically. So, yeah, I, I think Nathan will be back strapped up to the hilts at his knee. Um, other changes, it's difficult. There are, there are notions that Charles might be fit again this weekend. I mean, we you know, this is a win or lose game, isn't it? It's knockout rugby. 
we need to send the best possible team we can get. So, you know, despite us all agreeing that Luke had a fantastic game, you've got to slot Charles if he's fit back at back at number 15. Um, and again, it was a shame that Siva pulled out, didn't he? I think of the last minute with a dead leg. And we've seen him and Charles, their breaks and runs have been miraculous, I would say. So it's difficult. I'd like to see Siva back. But then uh, Piston Purdy, he's played amazingly. So who really goes in the other wing? Maybe, maybe I'll drop, drop Adi Alokan on this match. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, I think the New Alago th- injury wasn't too bad. It, uh, I think it was something in training and they decided not to risk him. I thought I read somewhere that, that potentially could have played, but Pat decided not to. Lee, let me come to you. Uh, one of the things will be um, who, who starts at Tighthead. Do you see a FOA keeping that start in berth or do you think Sinclair will come back in? And any other changes you think? No, I... I, I, um, I, I... Personally, I would play Big John. I think that he's just absolutely up for it. I think, you know, he's been away with England. I, I just think that you, you start with Big John, you, you, you grasp the game, um, and then, and then you bring Sinks on. I mean, what a, what a, you know, what a terrible um, thing for Pat to, you know, decision Pat to have to make bring uh, Sinks on. But I, I do agree. Like if. Charles is back. I agree with Miles, but we've got Luke to play on the wing. So, I mean, seriously, Bordeaux. I mean, I really do respect Bordeaux. I think they're a great side. But I don't think they're as strong as they were last year when we played them. Jalabert, like you said, is massive for them. So if he doesn't play, then I think that is definitely, definitely um, in our favour. It's going to be fantastic. And this, you know, these. These games are what we were talking about, you know, two two years ago. This is exactly what we wanted, you know, and we're discussing it now. It's it's amazing. It's brilliant. Yeah, and uh, Pete, the last time we went to France, obviously we won the uh, Challenge Cup, and Luatoa, for very different reasons, couldn't play that day. Uh, you know, he's taken this knock, had to come off after twenty minutes. Whether again that was precautionary because they didn't need to risk him uh, with the Bordeaux game just around the corner, but should he not be fit? Um, how, how do you see us uh, with the, the the flanker situation? <laughs> Well, there's two options, isn't it? I mean, either I think we'll agree that Hughes will come back in to, for a bit of beef, as Miles said, in the back row. The question then is, Luato is not fit. Does Earl move to, to the flank or does Harding keep his place? And I've got to say, on the basis of what we saw at the weekend, I would keep Harding in the back row and put Earl on the bench. I think Earl needs to learn that he, he you know, he didn't have a good game. And I, it, I don't think we can give him two, you know, he's a professional rugby player. He made some silly mistakes and he's got to learn that you don't do that. He's got to focus his mind. And I, I think, I think Fitz Harding's done enough. He looks, he looks very comfortable at the top table. I've got to say, and one thing I'll say with, I, I did do disagree a little bit with Lee about Sinclair. I think Sinclair will start only, I mean, it could go either way, but I think Sinclair will start because I think he needs to keep that momentum going. And I think, John to bring John on in the second half would be a bit of a heartbreaker for for the French front row if and uh, you know it does rely on Sinclair to, to start well so we'll see but it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting but not many changes I don't think apart from the ones we've mentioned. Yeah, I, th- I think it was good that Ranranja and Earl had that game because you could see that they were both rusty, haven't played obviously much or any uh, rugby for eight weeks. So the fact that we could get them both in, they're both going to have uh, uh, another full week of uh, training, a couple of good sessions I think Pat's looking forward to, um, will make a difference. Lee, let me come to you. Um, obviously, the, the French have had, uh, or Bordeaux have had one or two players away with with the the national team again is that, that little thing that's going to help us the fact that those players are only going to come back into the camp this week having been away for for such a long time with the the national team yeah i think will tony i think uh, ben Earl is the the classic example of that you know he he before he went to uh international duty he was playing absolutely fantastically for us um, and I, I do think that the French players that are going back to Bordeaux, they will need a little bit of, 
I know it sounds crazy because they, you know, they, they know the kind of system and they know the, the teammates, but I do think it just, it needs a little bit of tweaking when they come back. So I'm, I'm really confident in this game, even though we're away from home, I'm really confident that we're going to, we're going to get a result here. Well, let me, uh, if you're confident, let's, let's go to the predictions. Um, I think I just about squeaked it, uh, with last week's prediction with the 28, 24. I think that was the, the, uh, narrowest margin along with miles is four nil, but, uh, slightly, slightly more accurate on the number of points scored. Uh, Lee, let me come to you. Uh, what's your prediction for the game? Right. I'm going to go for a 21-15 victory for Bears. Okay, 21-15. Miles, uh, what are you going to go for this week? I Pretty similar. Uh, you know, well, we've had a history of getting four tries every single match, haven't we? So I'm going to up it to a, a 28-17 to Bristol. 28-17. Pete, your thoughts? Well... Seeing as we replicated the game against Saints this weekend against uh, Harlequin, so we seem to have this habit of doing exactly the same thing, I reckon it's going to go to extra time. <laughs> Again, why not? Why not? I okay. think it'll be tough. So I'm going to say it will be 25-18 to, Saint, to Bristol. Not Saints. <laughs> Saints no, Saints no. What, 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 what's your score then at 80 minutes? Yeah. I think it will be 18 all. You're, you're, predi- you're, you're predicting a draw. 18 all. Okay. <laughs> why not? In Interesting, Mr. Bond. <laughs> I I I just got a sneaky feeling that Pat's been building up for this, and I I just wonder if if this is when it clicks and actually we're going to score yeah. some early points, get confident. Um, so I am going to go for a thirty-one fourteen win. Yeah, I I, I think this is. Pat's part of Pat's master plan. We'll we'll see a few players back, and uh, we will unleash our uh, our firepower against the Bordeaux team. You're listening to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Buzzsprout, and many more platforms. You can contact us with your comments and ideas by email at bearsbeyondthegate at gmail.com. On Twitter, we're Bears Beyond Gate. And on Facebook, you can like and follow our Bears Beyond the Gate page. Uh, well, we talked about it a uh, little bit earlier, uh, Fitzhardin. Um Getting his his premiership try, getting the fifteenth hundred, uh, fifteen, fifteen, fifteen thousandth um, try in the 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 premiership, um, but also this week he, he's been awarded a pro contract. So, um, uh, Lee, let me come to you. Um, this is someone that that wasn't really on our radar, was he, at the start of the season? Uh, he, he's come on last two games. He's made absolutely telling contributions. Uh, he's getting a pro contract. Um, you know, uh, uh, has Pat unearthed another another golden nugget here? I, I would suggest that the fact the fact he wasn't on our radar is is more to do with us being slack as opposed to anything else. But <laughs> it, it it does suggest that, <clears throat> and everyone knows on this podcast that I love Mitch Eady, but it does suggest that. I think that possibly Fitzarden is the future. And to be fair, when he comes on, he looks like I I would go as far as to say he looks a possible international for me. And I think he's that good. I really do. Yeah, well, congrat- congratulations to him, and it's 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 fantastic that uh, you know at this this point of the season he's he's been awarded that contract. Uh, uh, Pete, let me come to you. Um, just, just talking about Fitzhardin. Obviously, we've got Whiteley come in the the scrum half, but we we haven't seen much more in the kind of transfer sign signings for for Pat. Um, you know, he's been reported as saying he's he's fairly happy with the squad. Um, are, are you expecting much much news? Because personally, I you know, if Matt Malins and Earl go back to Saracens, surely that's going to free up. 
a little bit of uh, space in the cap. And, you know, surely we need we, we need to replace replace people yeah i think so i mean i think that's the big question is 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 you know what happens with the saracens boys uh will both go will one stay you know it's all speculation at the moment uh depends kind of how saracens get on we there's lots of variables aren't there financials and, and also just league position whether they get promoted um i don't know i i think <laughs> You know, I think, you know, we must be fair. I guess we must be quite close to, I don't know, we're quite close to the salary cap. I don't know how much wriggle room there is, really. And, you know, we have invested a huge amount in our academy and our integrated academy. We have these amazing training facilities and and maybe that's where our near future lies. I mean, we did, you know, we have tied down all these people to, to contract extensions at the end of last season, didn't we? We've got a very settled, stable squad. There's no talk of anyone leaving at the moment. Um, and maybe Pat will, will stick with our core and then supplement it with kind of cheeky little loan signings uh, when when required. Um, don't know. So it's going to be an interesting something to, to look forward to. Lee, let me come to you. Do you, you know, Pat said that Malins and Earl are definitely going back, but do you think the fact that there we haven't seen anybody come in uh, at their kind of level, at their kind of calibre, do you think there's still a chance that we might we might see them at Ashton Gate next season? Well, it's it's funny you should say that, Tony, because I have a feeling that the fact we haven't made any signings or you know, any signings to that we're excited about. I, I have a funny feeling that we could possibly have, there could be options available in regards to uh, Malins and Earl. And obviously, uh, you know, maybe, maybe I could be wrong, but I, it just, it does feel very, very much like Pat's keeping his options open, put it that way. Yeah. No. Um, Miles, you want to make a comment? I mean, being that aside, really, I mean, the fact that we obviously brought in a fantastic bit of Argentinian beef, didn't we? Who sadly only played about five minutes. It worries me a little bit. I'm sure you might agree, chaps, that the fact that when Kyle is on international duty, old Jake and Jake look a little bit weak on the, in the prop front. And, and I'm a bit concerned that we haven't got any you know, new prop coming in or any sort of backup. So that's my only question really in our signings. Everywhere else on the pitch seems well catered for, but uh, Affair is getting on a bit. Jake Warmer looks a bit rusty occasionally, we we all might agree. So I, I think somewhere up the front, we need some sort of prop in the next few years. Jake Warmore or Jake Armstrong? Uh, Jake, 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 I think, well, I think Jake, Jake, Jake Warmore looks a bit rig rusty at times, and Jake Armstrong just doesn't look fit. So it, <laughs> he just looks rusty. <laughs> so you say Jake? That's another is career down the track. Is rusty better than rusty? Or which, yeah, the other way around. Don't, What's worse? And don't get me started on don't get me started on performance. <laughs> we never mentioned Andy, did we? We didn't. Thank, thankfully, no. for his career, yeah. But but just t- talking about uh, Shaparo, uh himself, uh, Stephen Kerins, and Ty McElroy all got added to our squad for the Champions Cup. Um, Certainly, uh, McElroy and uh, Kevin's, you think, is just absolute precautionary. But Shaparo potentially could be uh, could be back in the reckoning um, uh, in 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 one or two weeks' time. So uh, I I do, even though he's not going to stay, I do hope we get to see him in in a match day twenty three again because he did look a, a, an exciting player. Mm. Uh, and you know, at the business end of the season as well, uh, we are going to. To want to have as much quality uh, in in the full twenty three as as we possibly can, but I do agree with you. Um, I think tight head is certainly one of those areas that we're, we need to strengthen, and and it 
doesn't appear that we've got too many people coming through the academy at this time as props. You know, we, we've got great talent at hooker, but we haven't really seen any any young'uns coming through. But I'm sure we'll have a programme where we're, we'll talk a lot more about this in, in the future. A um, couple of shout-outs. Well, actually, there's one other thing. I, 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 um, I saw a tweet, and this is interesting because if – we beat Bordeaux, then we have a home quarterfinal against Racing 92 or Edinburgh. Now, I, I would imagine most of us are thinking it's more likely to be Racing than Edinburgh. But the fact that uh, Finn Russell got red carded in the Scotland game means that uh, all things being equal, and if that's not rescinded, he will probably miss that quarterfinal, as I understand it, because he will have... Uh, at least a three three game ban. So uh, that 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 again, we talked talked about uh, Jalabert for Bordeaux. Racing without Russell uh, will uh, would certainly help us. But let's not get too too ahead of ourselves there. A uh, couple of uh, shout outs on social media. We had Lloyd Collins at. Lloyd1979 on Twitter, uh, one of our regular listeners uh, over in Bucharest. And uh, he said, did you hear me cheering when uh, when that try, uh, when we scored that f- uh, fifth try against Quinns? And uh, we did, but just a bit of a slight time delay uh, from, from Bucharest. <laughs> uh, and the other thing that I'd highly recommend, which uh, has had lots of us uh, giggling in the last week, and that's a post that uh, Tom Hughes, or uh, on Twitter, and that's at Tom Hand Physio, uh, and that's a wonderful little video of uh, Callum Sheedy uh, waiting uh, to applaud somebody. I'm not quite sure who it was, but it wasn't once or twice or three. I think it was four times. He, he kind of clapped at the wrong time when uh, uh, everybody else was. Um, uh, wait, waiting for the applause to start. Can't really do it justice on the podcast, but either look on our Twitter feed or uh, on Tom Hughes's Twitter feed. It is such a funny video. Callum, being the top bloke that he is, has already tweeted and uh, acknowledged that. And uh, I think he said, uh, uh, with some smiley faces, got it right fourth fourth time. Uh, well, gentlemen, I think that uh, is is about it for this week. It's it's lovely to have the four of us on the show. Uh, if you like what you've heard, please leave a review or rating for us on your podcast platform. We'll be back next week with our review of the Bordeaux game and lots more Bristol Bears news and views. Until then, goodbye, stay safe, and come on, Briz.